Our scripture this morning is from uh, Luke chapter 5. Uh, Luke chapter 5, we'll read together uh, verses 1 through 11. It's found on page 1597 in the, the Bibles, in the rack in front of you. 1597, Luke chapter 5. Begin reading at verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Bilbo Baggins was a hobbit. He enjoyed a comfortable, predictable life in the Shire. He lived among plain folk, plain folk who had no use for adventures. Hobbits thought adventures were nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things. Adventures made you late for dinner. And then Bilbo met Gandalf, a wizard. Gandalf was looking for someone to share an adventure with him. And much to Bilbo the Hobbit's dismay, he began a journey filled with goblins and giants and dragons and rescue. A journey filled with adventure. One day Jesus came to town. The life of Peter and eleven other men was never the same. Luke 5 tells us the story about Jesus Jesus asking some men to join him in an adventure. It all started as people began crowding around Jesus. There were so many people, he was standing right at the water's edge, and still more people were coming. The crowds of people were attracted to Jesus because of the things that he had done. Already the Gospel of Luke has told us of the many things Jesus cast out demons. The crowds had never seen anybody with this kind of authority. Jesus just spoke, and the demons fled. Jesus healed many people. One guy, Simon, had a very sick mother-in-law. She was touched by Jesus, and she went from being on her deathbed to cooking lunch for a house full of people. Jesus taught good news. In fact, the news Jesus taught was so good, the people flocked to hear Jesus. Jesus had started teaching down by the shore, but the crowd just kept growing bigger and bigger. And once the word got out, once the people of the villages heard about him, got a hint of how good and gracious he was, they all flocked and came to see and hear him. But you see, Jesus didn't act like he was important. You know, important people in our day, 
presidents, prime ministers, rock stars, movie actors. They all attract crowds. And usually important people today have their own crowd of people around them protecting them and preparing the way for them. Presidents and celebrities are surrounded by bodyguards. They keep an eye on the crowd. They make sure to protect. Jesus didn't have any bodyguards. Important people in our day have stagehands and sound technicians and people putting on light shows. They attract news reporters from all the major networks and newspapers. There wasn't a single CNN reporter that day at that lake. Common people liked Jesus because he didn't put on a bunch of airs. He was simple, accessible. Even kids loved to see Jesus. One person once commented that Jesus was almighty, but he didn't act high and mighty. He was the holy one, but he didn't act holier than thou. Jesus was the one who knew it all, but he was not a know-it-all. Jesus reminded people of Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest Jewish prophets. But Jesus didn't let the fame go to his head. Maybe Jesus could have been a show-off. I suppose he could have played some parlor tricks, guessing your age or weight or what you were thinking about. But he didn't do that. The smartest thing that Jesus ever did was improvise when the crowds grew bigger. See, Jesus used the geography around the lake of Gennesaret to his advantage. The shoreline of this lake was filled with all kinds of steep inlets, and it zigged and zagged along, and it formed natural amphitheaters. So as the crowds grew larger, Jesus got into Simon's boat and had him push out a bit from shore. And the geography of the inlet meant that Jesus could talk in a normal voice and people on the slopes of the inlet would be able to hear him. But when Jesus is done teaching, he turns to Simon. Push out. Let down your nets. Let's catch some fish. Now understand... Simon and his fishing buddies had been out all night fishing. That's the best time for net fishing, doing it at night. They caught nothing. Zero. Zippo. Like the cadets. Did you see any fish in that picture? They were fishing, but did you see any fish? I didn't see any fish. This was not fishing for sport. They weren't on the lake with their buddies and a few beers. This wasn't a holiday. Too bad we didn't catch anything today. We'll have to try again tomorrow. They caught fish for a living. It was their job, their livelihood. No fish they didn't eat. No fish they wouldn't be able to buy groceries. No fish puts them in the poorhouse. So maybe you can imagine what Peter must have thought. Um, Excuse me, Jesus, who are you? You're just a builder. What do builders know about fishing? Peter may have been listening as Jesus taught the crowd and maybe he thought Jesus was a pretty good preacher. But seriously, nobody goes fishing in the middle of the day. Maybe Peter was ready to tell Jesus he should just stick with golf. They were the experts, these fishermen. They were the ones who knew. And they had been at it all night. What could a preacher know about fishing? Except Peter doesn't say any of this. There is something about Jesus that moves him. Maybe it's because Jesus speaks with authority. 
And Peter's reply shows the respect he has for Jesus. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Peter calls him Master. He recognized that Jesus, who can heal and cast out demons and teach, has authority. But then this astonishing thing happens. They catch a boatload of fish. In broad daylight, the boat begins to swamp. They caught so many, their nets start to break. They had to call in reinforcements. And then both boats start to sink because the catch is so big. Peter's polite and proper reference to Jesus as Master changes in a hurry. Peter blurts out, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter and his friends are astonished. Notice, they didn't start whooping and hollering because they were such great fishermen. Instead, they started worshiping and honoring Jesus. They recognized how great Jesus was. Peter acknowledges Him as Lord. He's the one Peter will give his life to. He's overwhelmed by the power and authority of Jesus. And by all that Jesus is, he falls to his knees in humble adoration. And immediately, Jesus invites Peter and his friends into a bigger life. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. Jesus invites these men on a life-changing mission. He wants them to follow him to begin working with him. Jesus wants these guys to catch bigger fish. They had just caught the biggest catch of their lives. But now they had to choose. Catch fish for the rest of their lives. Or fish for an even bigger catch. People. Jesus invited them to look beyond the dollars and be concerned with the destinies of others. That they would be involved in redirecting people's forevers. Actually, Jesus doesn't really invite them. He makes a declaration. From now on, you will fish for people. It's like Jesus flashes the disciples' lives before their eyes. There's no future having to do with boats and nets and fish. Jesus points them to a a grander vision for life. One person says, Peter clearly had a sense that life was never going to be the same again, that he was going to face new demands and challenges, but he couldn't help being swept off his feet by what had happened. Jesus points these men to God's highest priority, people. The grandest vision God has for life is always about people. And Jesus presents a clear choice. You can invest time and energy in catching six-inch trout-like fish, or you can join him and become fishers of men and women. You know, go after the six-footers. You can be successful in your business, or you can get into the business of engaging in people's lives to point them toward the good news. You can shine as a superstar fisherman, or you can care about letting light shine in the lives of the people around you. You can receive this blessing of abundant fish from God and be happy, or you can dispense the blessing of God to others and find unbelievable joy. Jesus invites these fishermen into a life-changing mission of making people their highest priority. His call to Peter and to the others is to help him catch people 
allowing the good news to go wider and wider. Because Jesus wanted the blessing of God the Father to reach as many as possible. Of course, the gems and the cadets know a bit about blessing. Because this year they've been reflecting on this verse. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Jesus enlists us in the same service that he enlisted his disciples. Be a blessing. Jesus is calling you into a grander vision of life. You don't get to be a, a bystander in the life of following after Jesus. You don't get to sit and watch it happen. Each of us, each of you cadets, each of you gems, has a role to play. Don't let anybody tell you you're too small or that you're too young. Don't believe that you are unable to talk to people. And don't believe any message that tries to say you're not good enough. God used Moses. He stuttered. God used Gideon, even though he felt like a nobody from an insignificant family. God used Isaiah, and he didn't feel holy enough. God used a Samaritan woman at a well, even though she was the most unpopular woman in town. God used these plain fishermen to become a force for Jesus in the world. Now, let's be clear. I mean, God doesn't pour all of himself into our human life in the form of Jesus so that we'll be safe. I mean, God wants way more for our lives than simply safety. Your parents might want safety for you. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to take up the adventure of following Jesus, seeking his greater glory. God wants to bless you in ways you never imagined. I did not want to be a pastor. I wanted to be an elementary education teacher. I liked kids. I wanted to teach kids. But God had other plans for me. Around my second year of college, God got to me. He got to me through my mother. She wanted me to follow in my father's footsteps. Don't mess around with your mother's plans for your life. Sometimes they turn out to be God's plans. I became a pastor. But I never really followed in my father's footsteps. I lived my own adventure with God. I fought with God. I fought with God about my first call to a small church in northern Illinois. And guess what? God won. Even though I said no to the call of that first church in northern Illinois, I ended up in a church in northern Illinois. Then God took me on the adventure of working in Canada for 22 years. First, I worked on a a university campus in Ontario. I, I walked with students coming out of high school, struggling with them to put their faith to work in a secular university. And then I crossed the country to become a pastor in British Columbia. And there I saw a chance, I had a chance to see God at work up close bringing people who didn't know God to faith in God, consoling people when their sons and friends and wives died tragically, finding grace for a leader of the church who worked to sober up from drugs, 
wrestling with God when my daughter Erin got ill. And then after those years, God brought me back to the U.S. to Ripon, California. And over the past eight years, the adventure has continued. Now let me be clear. My adventure was God's doing. I just had to buckle my seatbelt. I had to be faithful in doing the things that God put before me. Just like that miraculous catch of fish, the disciples had to faithfully be the fishermen they were. Jesus did the rest. In the same way, when Jesus calls us, he sends us out to do the things we can do. I mean, your adventure with Jesus isn't about you being richer or smarter or more talented or more or less of anything. It's only about you being you as a partner with God. Being willing to be used by God in everyday ways. Being willing to be used by God in every way, everyday places. See, God wants us to be a blessing at school, at home, at work. God wants us to be a blessing in the hospital, the office, in the kitchen. God works through us to extend His acceptance to others, to offer Christian friendship, to give people who struggle a taste of grace. All we have to do is trust God enough. It's like going fishing in the deeper water in broad daylight. It's a little weird. It's kind of outside common sense or the usual routine. But we do it because God is calling us to it. And that's where we'll often find Jesus. We'll find him where we least expect him. He'll show up where we have failed. He'll be there when we find ourselves over our heads. Where we feel uncomfortable, there's a pretty good chance Jesus is nearby. See, Jesus doesn't come into our lives where we're in control. He's usually not around when we're proud of our successes. When we're confused, when we failed, when our sin is obvious, that's where Jesus wants to be. Are you a kind person? I mean, God blesses you with that kindness so that you'll reach out to the lonely kid in class that needs a friend. Do you get upset when things are unfair? Well, God blesses you with that sense of justice so you will stand up for the person who's getting picked on. Are you good with your hands? Well, God blesses you with that so you can help your older neighbor mow her lawn or trim her bushes. Look at your life. God has blessed you with what you need to be a blessing. You just have to do the thing that's right in front of you. And Jesus will do the rest. See, the most exciting thing of all about Jesus is he wants to use you and me. Jesus wants us to be his partners catching others in the net of God's mercy and love. I'm not much of a fisherman, but I can bless others. And so can you. We're called and sent by Jesus. There are plenty of people in your life who need a bit of acceptance, a bit of Christian friendship, a taste of God's grace. God has a heart for people.
God wants our hearts open to people as well. God's blessing poured into our lives so that we will be a blessing to others. Let's pray together. Holy God, by your grace, you touch our fears with the fire of your compassion in our brokenness with the fire of your forgiveness, our hearts with the fire of your love. Jesus, by your grace, you step into our lives and this unpredictable adventure begins. You challenge us to new thinking and there are overflowing results. You confront our doubts so that we can cast out our fears and rely on you. Holy Spirit, by your grace, you give us eyes to see the emptiness in our world. You give us ears to hear the good news. You give us words and actions to bring hope to all people. Oh God, in community, by your grace, we are who we are. Your children, your people, your church abundantly blessed to pursue the adventure of being your blessing to the world. Amen.